0: There is not a philosophy, a religious doctrine, or a scientific theory that comes close to delivering the power that is found in the preaching of the gospel. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is more life-transforming or able to create such an awesome and permanent change in the life and thinking of an individual than the unique and powerful message of the cross of Christ. God became incarnate. He walked among men and he performed miracles and wonders too numerous to mention. He satisfied the souls of men and women with his teaching, and he went on to ultimately satisfy the heart of God himself in dying for the sin of the world at Calvary's cross. What immense power is found in that tremendous work. He takes us from darkness to light, from sin to wholeness, from bondage to freedom, and yet what a spectacle Calvary was. The Cruel Mockery the inhumane torture, the rejection. Certainly, all of this shows how our hearts are toward the God of heaven to whom we are accountable. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. John Grant looks at the power of God in salvation as expressed at Calvary. There were three crosses there. One sufferer died with the assurance of eternal life. The other faced certain judgment as he rejected his only hope. Which of the two thieves represents you, my friend. We trust that the power of this message will touch your heart today, and that you will respond to the lovely man of Calvary.
1: Paul's epistle to the Romans, please, reading in chapter number one and at verse number sixteen, where we read this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to every one that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then over a little please to the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, verse number 18 of chapter number 1. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. When we address our attention to the subject of the cross of Calvary, the cross of the Lord Jesus, there is no more solemn and serious subject that can occupy the minds of individuals than what happened almost 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary. I want us to understand this evening that what I have read to you is not just simply a dusty page of some long-forgotten history. It is not simply something that happened so long ago that has no consequence for today. I want us to understand that the cross of Calvary is the very center and the very circumference of the message of the gospel. And this evening we read two little verses that tell us that this message which we preach tonight and this message which you bring unto you is nothing less than the power of God. And I this evening preach a message that has in it, inherent in it, part of it, that cannot be divorced from it, the fact that this message of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I want to tell you tonight that the salvation that we preach in the gospel, the salvation that is offered this evening to men and women, is not a salvation that demands that you have the power to cleanse yourself from your sins and to set yourself right for heaven. It is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. And the part that you have this evening is simply to bow and acknowledge that you are a guilty sinner and to trust the Lord Jesus and take Him as your Lord and Savior. And when that happens, the power of the gospel, this message which is the power of God, comes into your life and does for you what you can never do for yourself. Your sins are forgiven. Your future in eternity is guaranteed and sure. The past is gone. You have eternal life given as the gift of God. And you're set fair on the road to heaven. My friends, all of that tonight is the power of God in the life of a man or a woman who has put their trust for eternity in the Christ of God, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And that is the great and the glorious message of the Gospel which we preach, which we bring to you tonight. Not a message that demands that you save yourself. Not a message that demands that you by your own works obtain eternal life. Not a message that demands that you by your own good deeds can open the gates of glory so that you might enter in. No, nothing of that at all. It is a message that you believe, that you trust, that you put your faith in. And it is the power of God unto salvation. These things that I mentioned earlier are done by the Lord Jesus. They are the power of God and coming into your life they transform it and give you eternal life and forgive your sins and set your fear on the road to heaven knowing that eternal judgment you will never see you will never experience that is the great glorious message of the gospel of the grace of god i turn your attention to the cross of calvary because the cross is the center of that message i said at the beginning it was the center and it is the circumference. It is the message of the gospel. There is nothing more need be taught but that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So the Apostle Paul wrote to folks who had put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Christ died according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. We preach tonight a Christ crucified, dead, buried, raised, ascended to heaven, and praise God, coming again. There is no one like Him. There is no Savior apart from Him. He it is who is in Himself the message of the gospel. This gospel is good news. I don't know what you've been trying. I don't know what you've been pursuing. I don't know what religious rites you've been depending on. I tell you tonight, the gates of heaven open to those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and as a result have been saved. You don't pay. You don't work. You don't try to clean up your life. You don't do anything like that. You come to a Christ who can do all that for you. And only in and through Him can that be done in your life. And so I turn your attention to the cross of Calvary. It's a serious matter. It tells me a number of things. It tells me, firstly, what mankind thought of the Lord Jesus. It reveals what is in the heart of men and women. They took him and they crucified him. A man who told them the truth. A savior who never put a foot wrong. A Christ who proved himself to be the son of the living God. And they took him and they crucified him. That is man's verdict on Christ. They have little time for him. They will not countenance His interference in their life. That tells me how man estimated the Lord Jesus. But I want to tell you, it not only tells me what man thought about Christ, but it tells me the great need that is found in the events of Calvary, the need of a Savior to come as He had come and to save their souls. But they rejected Him, but the same Lord Jesus is available to everyone who claims and believes that Jesus Christ, the crucified Christ who rose again, is the Savior of the world, able to save individuals. At the cross of Calvary, they took the Lord Jesus. They tried him. He was innocent of all charges. And yet they found him guilty. And they put a cross on his back. And they took him out to Calvary. And they nailed him to that cross. And they lifted him up on that cross. A death so awful. A death so horrendous that one of the greatest philosophers of the Roman Empire who himself became one of the rulers of his day, Cicero said this, that the word crucify should be obliterated from the Roman language. So awful was it. So fearful was it. So dreadful was it. But they took the Son of God and they crucified Him. Lifted up was He to die. It is finished was His cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Hallelujah, what a Savior. But they crucified Him. And they watched Him die. I want you just to think for a moment of the attitude of men who watched the Savior on the cross. There were those who came and it says that as they passed by, they reviled Him wagging with their heads and saying, Why, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. I tell you, there was sarcasm at the cross. The sarcastic taunts of godless lips. And there was sarcasm at the cross. If thou be Christ, the Son of God, come down from hence. I want to tell you also, there was more than that at Calvary. We read this that others said, the chief priests and the scribes, they said, he saved others. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down. I tell you, there was not only sarcasm, but there was folks there who sought to play sport with Christ on the cross, treating him with derision, treating him as a nobody, with an attitude of sporting. They spoke of him. I want you to notice that despite that, there were those soldiers who took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and they had a certain sympathy for him. Where do you stand? Before the cross. Exactly what is your attitude to Calvary? I said earlier, it's the very crux of the whole matter. And these men, sarcastic, sporting, and yet some sympathetic, they looked at the Christ of God on a cross at Calvary and I tell you tonight, They were not moved by what they saw. And you could sit tonight and you could think of the cross and you could like to hear about the cross and you could think that it was a great man who was dying at the cross. But I tell you tonight, I want the power of the cross to be the power of the gospel that gives you eternal life tonight. By putting your trust in the man who was derided and denounced while hanging from a cross at Calvary. And so the cross is the center. And I say again, where do you stand before the cross? Because I tell you this, if you do not look and stand before Calvary in your mind tonight and accept Christ as savior, the man who was that day hanging on a cross at Calvary will one day sit and be your judge. One day, At a great white throne, the sentence will be passed as to your sin that you heard the gospel and you rejected it and you would not have the man of Calvary to be your Savior. I've come with a message from heaven and a message in the Bible and a message that demands your attention. Yes, they walked past and they ignored him and they derided him and they despised him and they mocked him. And I tell you, people would do the same today. But I want to turn your attention to the fact that there was not one man crucified at Calvary. There were three. And I want now to watch two men dying at Calvary. Both were criminals. And I want you to notice the response of these two men to the man who was on the center cross of Calvary, and I'm preaching the cross tonight, and if you say this is but foolishness, I turn your attention to the Word of God. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So your attitude to Calvary determines whether or not you are perishing, dying in your sins. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. This message has power in it that only heaven can bestow. Power in it that only heaven can use. And power in it to deal with the greatest question that faces the life of any man or woman. The question of their sin. And there's two men there. I want you to notice, please. The first man to whom I direct your attention railed on Christ. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. This man, what did he want? He wanted to come down from the cross. And why did he want to come down from the cross? He wanted to come down from the cross to resume his old lifestyle. And he reels in Christ. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Hanging on a cross on the portals of death. With the Savior there at Calvary. This man rails on Christ and refuses to accept him in any way whatsoever. So what do you think of Jesus? I want you to do business with God in the gospel. I want you in this meeting to understand that you are hearing of a Savior who died for sinners. And I point your attention tonight to a man who is in a lost eternity, who can never, ever, ever, cross the portals of glory who can never, ever, ever enjoy eternal life, who can never, ever, ever see the glory and lightness of Christ in glory. Because in that day, at that hour, He refused the Savior. And you can leave tonight and say, not for me. I don't want it. I have no time for it. It's foolishness. And you're like this man I want you to notice, please, that there was not only a man who railed. I tell you, there was a man who repented. There was another man there, and this man repented. Do you know you might say? Well, what was the difference between this man and the other man? I tell you, the difference was immense. Listen to what he said. He, too, was a criminal condemned to die. Absolutely no question about the sin that stained his life. No question that he was guilty of the charges with which he was charged and found guilty. No question at all that the crucifixion was a mistake for him. And this man says, Crying across to the other thief who refused Christ, dost thou thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deed. The first thing I want you to notice is that man confessed. That he was a guilty sinner. Friend, there's nobody ever gets to heaven who doesn't start here. He says we're guilty. We're justly condemned. We are where we ought to be. And he admits that he is receiving the due reward of his deeds. He truly acknowledges that he is a guilty sinner. That's the start of the road to glory when you acknowledge that. And you might say to me tonight, well, I'm not so bad. I'm really not just as bad as you think. I'm actually okay. I'm really this. I want to cut through all that verbiage tonight and get down to the essence of the Word of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I tell you tonight, it is the wise man, the wise woman who believes the Bible. And we all are sinners. And this man, this man, who I do believe repented that night, this man. Says we Judah. Okay, what is the second thing I want you to notice about him? The second thing is that he was prepared to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He acknowledged the fact that the man hanging on the cross was the Lord, who also was the true King of Israel who one day would set up a kingdom that would run far beyond the borders of Israel even. He acknowledged the teaching of Jesus Christ to be absolutely true. And if you want to be saved, you have to claim him who not only will become your Savior, but will become your Lord. You cannot have salvation and the Savior, and then a year or two later gradually accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It comes all at one time. And tonight, if you take him as Savior, you take him as Lord. And here is a man dying, suffering the agonies of crucifixion, having seen his last sunrise, And he says, Lord, he put his trust in the Lord Jesus, believing his teaching, believing all that had been said about him. And he called him Lord. Now that was good. I want you to notice the third thing about this man. That the salvation which became his, became his immediately. The Lord Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, Today, today, this very day, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Salvation becomes yours immediately. You accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Acknowledge He was a sinner. Acknowledge that Jesus Christ was Lord. Acknowledge that the teaching of Jesus Christ was right and beneficial. And now the Savior responds, To show us that the salvation of that man was immediate this very day. I mean by that, that having made his declaration, there was nothing else to make. You see, if you say to me tonight, well, I've got to do something. I've got to gain something. I've got to do something to get salvation. I tell you this, this man could do nothing. He was crucified. This man could pay nothing. He had nothing. This man could work at nothing. No works. No payment. Nothing. Only his trust and faith in Jesus Christ would take him to glory. And that's what's needed. And nothing more. Today. Today. For him a morning that started with the horrors of facing crucifixion. And ended with him in paradise. I tell you, a day in his life he will never forget for all eternity. And do you notice? Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. No, notice the emphasis. With me. You'll be with me. I tell you, if you tonight trust him as your saviour for all eternity, you'll be with Christ. Immediate salvation. Demanding no works. No payment. No effort. Simply trust in faith. And that's what that man did. A man who rails. A man who repents. And finally, A man who redeems. I turn your attention to the center cross of Calvary. And I quote again, what I quoted earlier, lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. I want you to notice that the other two were there because of their own sins. But as he never could sin, and therefore never did sin, he was there because of the sins of others. He died out of love for the sinner so that the judgment that I deserved for my sins he bore for me on the cross of Calvary. And as you turn your eyes to the cross and look at the Savior you could say tonight having put your trust in him you could thank God that he did it for you. Two thousand years have passed. And the power of the cross is as great today as ever it was. Two thousand years have passed and the message of the gospel is as powerful as ever it was. Two thousand years have passed and the promises of the gospel are as sound as ever they were. Two thousand years have passed and there never has been one individual who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ who has been let down and disappointed. This message has stood the test of time, the test of human experience. We face you with a crucified Christ who was buried and rose again from the dead and ascended to heaven and who is coming back again. Now what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day, one day, your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? May we so heed the call of the gospel. That tonight we make certain with assurance that we are saved by faith.
0: Yes, my friend, the power of the cross is as great today as ever it was. Individuals are still receiving Christ as their own and personal Savior and experiencing the unspeakable power of His work to transform their lives as well as their destinies. Is the power of the gospel at work in your life? Have you had a moment when you were delivered from sin and placed into the family of God? We hope that today you will start on this road of life through faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's tree. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week, at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an Anchor.